This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. As always, on a Tuesday, my man, Jay Williams from Jay Will, Keyshawn, and Max. I have changed the title of that show. <laughs> Max is on the show tomorrow. Uh, so we'll, uh, we will not change the name of the show. I'll keep it the same. Uh, at Real J Williams on Twitter. All right, I want to talk hoops. You guys t- spent Let's all day talking about uh, offensive lines and where Aaron Rodgers is going to go. I can't talk about Brock Purdy one more time. I can't do it. He's got a baseball injury. We could just talk about baseball and Brock Purdy because he, he's, yes. he's going to go in for Tommy John surgery. Um, although I guess Brent uh, was it Ben Roethlisberger had that a couple of years ago, so it's a football. They're stealing everything. They stole Thursday nights from college football, and now they're stealing baseball injuries as well. So and now they're playing overseas in London for multiple <laughs> games a year. Five, well, three in London and three in England and uh, two in Germany now. And there you go, it's ridiculous. All right, let me ask you this question. I was watching. My son is a huge hoops fan. We're watching mm-hmm. the Celtics and the Lakers on Saturday night. And for the life of me, I can't figure out how that was not a foul on LeBron James uh, or against LeBron James. He was going in for a layup. He does not miss the rim on a layup very often. How do they not call that foul? Does LeBron just not get calls? Well, well, here's on the call specifically, right? Obviously, everybody, we have time to review it now. Everybody knows. It was a foul. Right. Here's how, as a basketball player, I know it's a foul right off the bat. It's because when you are shooting a layup, the ball always ends up off your fingertips. The ball doesn't pop up off your palm. <laughs> the only way the ball pops up off your palm is if your arm is hit. Now, you have a ref on the baseline, and you have a ref on the sideline. I have no idea how that call is being missed. But here's one of the things that bothers me. I know that LeBron you know, for the most part, has been known via the internet, you know, to complain about yeah. different things. And for a guy with his size and his frame, he's going to get hit a lot more and it's not going to be called because he can play through contact. But one of the things that started to bother me about the whole situation, it really ignites a fire for me, is that, you know, all I hear every single year as it relates to how we cover the NBA is that the regular season isn't exciting. And how could it be exciting if it's not exciting and meaningful for the players. So here I see LeBron James trending for being, you know, very dramatic mm-hmm. or acting like a three-year-old. <laughs> or I hear people online saying, I would even react if my dog were killed that way. Things of that sort. Wow. And I'm just sitting there saying, well, wow, okay, well, here's a guy who's 30, 39 years old who is single-handedly keeping his team in playoff contention, right, without AD, with Russ essentially not playing the best version of his foul play, you know, and they're trying to make trades, and he's in a, this historic rivalry between the Celtics and the Lakers, and every game matters, and we're going to chastise him for actually caring or being passionate <laughs> because now he didn't get the call and he's being dramatic. I'm dramatic, too, when I'm trying to win games each and every single night, and I need to drop 30 to 45 points in order to keep my team in contention. Like, maybe we should actually have appreciation with LeBron and just stop finding things online to to complain about or to be angry about because that seems to be the only thing we talk about as it relates to LeBron James. Uh, first of all, I, I, I could not agree more. We spend way too much time on Twitter 
Um, do you think the fact, I mean, we, we everybody knows that he got, got hacked. By the way, maybe it's just my cynicism, but the NBA referees union or whatever, when they released that statement, I thought that was so condescending. They're gutted. They're not gutted. Will they please stop it with the, just, we apologize. We missed the call, right? It, first of all, they don't have to say anything because the world knows they missed the call. I thought that was, uh, you know, today in BS statement history. Um, is is LeBron also, a flopper, I, also, though? I'm like, also, I was going to tell you, like, you know, C.J. McCollum, and I have all the respect in the world for C.J. I think he is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, his position with the Players Association, what he's been able to do down in New Orleans. But, like, now we're going to start the conversation around finding refs. How is that going to make <laughs> it better? If you're a referee, you're telling me you're in a very dynamic, offensive game that's being physical, that now because there's fines at stake, that's going to make you more relaxed to call fouls? No. That's going to put added on pressure. Yeah. So it's not like we asked the players, hey, your performance was bad in this game, CJ. Now since your performance was bad, we're going to fine you down the stretch. No, we don't do that to the players, and now we're going to do it to refs. Maybe if I would like to hear post-game press conferences from refs. Because for me, at the end of that game, I actually want to talk to the ref and hear what did you see at that particular moment? And maybe answer two or three calls that maybe you thought were questionable calls or here's my reasoning for why we made these calls. I'd much rather hear that as a post-game interview than hear LeBron James complain about refereeing or hearing somebody else talk. I'd much rather talk to the refs and have Silent reporters question the refs on why they made the calls they made. Right, here's here's where you and I are going to part on uh, on that. First, I think there's way too much conversation about referees. We know referees okay. make mistakes, right? Um, I like a pool reporter. Go to ask the questions. Let the let the refs state their position on on whatever the call is. But man, we just can't feed. We can't feed the trolls about mm. calls. So the, having a referee. Doing a pre- Ooh, uh, I I don't want to I don't want to go there, but I do think that we, we need. Way. <laughs> uh, no, I do, but uh, <laughs> I don't want I, I, I don't I just don't want to feed the trolls. The trolls don't need feeding. Is is my overall point about it? They we we have to minimize that. What I do think is is important. And I don't know that any sport really does it. Maybe the NFL does it to uh, the best. The, the only thing the NFL does best when it comes to officiating is that they reward the best, right? And maybe college basketball does it too, but I'm not 100% sure they do. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, I think that, like in baseball, seniority plays a role as to who gets postseason assignments as well as performance. It should simply be performance. So if you're no good, then you shouldn't get postseason assignments. And guys who prove to be no good during the course of the year, or they're all good, but not as good as the others, they should. we should know that. I don't know if there should be a referee ranking or not, but uh, we should know that the very best get rewarded and the guys who aren't as good or women who aren't as good don't. So, Adam Gold, are you suggesting some kind of public document <laughs> that <laughs> articulates whether, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a, a scoring mark, a scoring mark for referees? Like, Top 25 referee, referees. Like, <laughs> Scott Foster is a 93%. You're like, okay, I, I, I like that. 
but I'm, that rating may go down when he call, when he calls CP3 games. You know, <laughs> may go down to forty percent. Uh, so I, I think it's a moving target. Right. But I actually, I, I like. I know there's something like that internally. I know in MLB yeah. it's easier for you know umpires as it relates to you know black or white missing calls to that part. But I wish there was something that could track, and maybe the NBA already has this, but something that publicly we could follow to track you know what the hit rate for these refs are as it relates to whether they're getting things right or wrong. Yeah, I'm sure there is an internal ranking. I'd love to. I'd love to see it. Uh, but you know what? I, what I would love is we have a players tribune, right? I would love to see the players in all sports publicly talk about these are the good ones, these are the these are not good ones. Uh, again, knowing that they're all good, yeah. it's like the worst perfect the worst player on the PGA tour is amazing. The worst player in the NBA is amazing. Amazing. Right. Yeah. We, we don't understand. Well, now according to fans, we call them bums. You I know. know. What I, mean? I know. I know. The guy, who, the guy who can barely get out of his seat calls the guy who is uh, part of 0.1% a bum. <laughs> you know? Shocking to me. But that's the world we live in now. Yeah. More, more referee talk for, uh, for Jay Will. All right. So I'm on a mission and I want your help. I want to, I want college basketball referees to stop killing the game. I I want to love college basketball, but they make it hard. They make it hard. Uh, I want three things. You can you can tell me how many of these are are good or not. I want continuation in the college game. We're taking away yes. good plays. Uh, I yes. want I want four ten minute quarters. This is not about the referees. This is about the way the game is governed. And I don't understand. It's the only sport. The only basketball playing wor- you know, part of our world that is not in four quarters, however long the quarters are. And I want to abolish the block charge. I want to get rid of it. I hate it. My, my unofficial uh, data is that 90% of called charges are wrong. 90%. That, that number may be higher. Hey, it's Adam Golden. I'm in studio with my friend, Coach Pete Deruta with the Capital Financial Advisory Group. Is it ever too soon to seek out you and your expertise? Really, there's no too soon. It's time to get serious. So if you're 50 or over, we call it the financial red zone. And that's when really it's time for you to take control of your money and, and make sure you have a firm on your side that's a fiduciary planning firm, which means they take your side at all times. Now, we'll do this for the next 10 of you who call. This is a $1,000 value, but I'm going to waive my planning fee to make sure you get your total retirement plan and you get on the right path for retirement. Call 888-843-0013, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. You don't have to get me started, Adam. I, I am all for increasing the number of possessions in the game. I'm all about making the game faster. Uh, I am all about like the, the whole block charge, semicircle. That whole thing is outdated to me. Like the four quarters, that's where every other style of basketball has already moved to. That the women's game has even moved to that. Mm-hmm. Why haven't the men's game moved to that? And like, I, I, I look, I get really frustrated sometimes because i think that people often say well the quality of competition is not the same i'm like yeah but we don't why do we have different rules it should be universal rules that are in place like we should follow the same guidelines to the degree that the nba like make it uniform Mm -hmm. and like if we want the game to be faster and better why wouldn't we do that and i know that there's different styles and different approaches and that's what i miss about the college game because you don't really have that as much on the defense on on the defense end as related to the nba but I'm all about seeing the pace of the game go up faster. And the continuation, 
continuation aspect of the game, I've been saying that for 15, 20 years. If I get hit as my momentum is taking me on my gather to the rim, let me finish it. That's right. a damn one easily. I don't understand why that. It's like they hate scoring. Like, we hate well, points. Yeah. We shouldn't hate points. We should like points. I mean, our, guys, guys are trying to score. We should allow them to try. Like, it's the old, I, I, the old I, college I, try. <laughs> I appreciate defense. I fall asleep when the games are 35 to 20. I fall I can't help it. It's not good for ratings. No. <laughs> and I, I get that there's different fighters with different styles. I, it's like boxing. I get it. Like Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather is one of the greatest defensive boxers of all time. I understand that. But he at least gave me flash. With right. <laughs> so, like, you know, I, I need something as we relate to our sport. There's so much inventory that we have to find a, a way to market our sport differently. And to me, that always starts with the defensive end. Offensive end, excuse me. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember the year, but I was at one of the worst basketball. I was at the worst. I had great save. Center court seats for the worst game I've ever seen in an NCAA final. Uh, Connecticut Butler in 2011 was uh, a, a game that set the sport back. Um, I don't even know what the score was, but it was brutal. Um, but I, wa- I was there for, I think it was Tennessee, Wisconsin. I think it was 1999, uh, maybe the year before you got to Duke, when uh, they played an NCAA tournament game, and I swear the final score was 40-38. to 38. And I'm falling asleep. I can't. I, can't. I mean, I'm here, to watch, I'm here to watch guys score the basketball. All right, we're, we're, we're going to fix the game, you and me together. We're going to do this. Done. Done deal. We'll All make right. it happen. All right, man. I'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. All right, man. So when I was looking to transfer, it was um, a lot of one-on-one, and it didn't feel like I got lost in a huge university because I knew that if I came here, there was going to be someone I could talk to about every aspect of the courses I needed to take, but also, too, I loved the smaller classroom sizes, and I liked how interactive and immersive all of the learning was going to be. It wasn't just going to be me sitting in a room with a couple hundred people and a professor who didn't know my name. To find out more about transferring to William Peace University, visit peace.edu.